Okay, so tonight we're going to be looking at the Bible doctrines of uh, Christ's second coming, the Great Tribulation, Christ's millennial reign, and the Great White Throne Judgment, the new heaven and earth, eternal heaven, and eternal hell. So there, there's a lot of material there. Uh, we won't be able to cover all the scriptures, but we will give a brief overview of, of all of these topics. These Bible doctrines are well established in scripture. Uh, they were upheld when in Azusa Street, they've been upheld by our church for the last 113 years. You know, a lot of people worry about the future. They try to build a good life for themselves here on earth. But, you know, unfortunately, relatively few think about eternity and, and prepare for it. So as we look ahead for what's in our world, the hope is tonight that it will help us all just focus more on eternal values. And really, that's all that really matters when it comes down to it. So um, there, we do have some resources out there on the table because we won't cover all the scriptures. So there's a glimpse into the future is a publication that our church has put out. There's tra tracks out there on hell and the Antichrist. And plus our, our handout for tonight that has some scriptures in it if you haven't had a chance to look at that. So our key verse for this topic is whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You know, these doctrines are included in scripture not only so that we have knowledge of them, but that we might remain patient while we wait for them to come to pass. You know, it's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus went back to heaven but his bride, the church, is still watchful, still hoping, and still looking for his return. That is what Titus was referring to in, in chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the first doctrine uh, that we're going to cover is Christ's second coming, which is broken into two parts, the rapture of the church and the revelation of Christ. So first we're going to look at the rapture of the church. So uh, the word rapture is not in the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Paul wrote, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The words caught up there are translated from the Latin word rapturo and the Greek word harpazo, which means to snatch or take away. And that is where the word rapture is taken from. The rapture is a signless event. Uh, when we talk about the signs of the times, we're talking about current events, events that are leading up to the tribulation period and the time of the Antichrist. You know, back in the 70s, there was there was a wave of expectation that Jesus was coming soon. They they That was when the songs were written, you know, signs of the times are everywhere and I wish we'd all been ready. That's when the film, The Thief in the Night was produced. But you know, over the years, we've seen a decline in interest in the coming of the Lord. And that in itself is a sign uh, that, that Jesus said would happen. So, um, but over the last 50 years, our world has steadily moved towards the time of the tribulation. 
We've seen a lot of, if you look back over the, la- the last 50 years at technology and a lot of the things that have happened in our world, uh, we're moving steadily in that direction. But, but, you know, the signs of the times are interpretive. They're kind of based on what's happening at that time and, and how, how we interpret them. But the, what we're talking about tonight are doctrinal truths. We're talking about things that are well established in God's Word. They don't change. They haven't changed over the last two year, 2,000 years. And they're going to come to pass just as the Bible said. Uh, the rapture itself does not require any signs. Uh, it was going to happen instantly, unexpectedly, and it could occur at any time. You know, even in the early church, it was considered an imminent event uh, that they were to continually watch for. Those today who are not saved, if they're looking for a particular sign, something to happen before they give their lives to the Lord, they're going to be surprised when the rapture takes place. Matthew twenty four forty four says, Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. You know, because of the conditions of our world today, I think we can all agree that we truly believe it could happen at any moment. In the rapture, Jesus will call the church to meet him in the clouds. And in the revelation of Christ, Jesus will descend to earth with his saints. Uh, The dead in Christ will be raptured first. Then those who are living and truly saved will join them in the air. So... The rapture will occur before the tribulation begins. Today, there are varying theories as to when the rapture will take place. Uh, Some say they believe that it's going to take place in the mid-tribulation, in the middle of it. Uh, Some believe that it's going to be post-tribulation and coincide with the revelation of Christ. And then an increasingly popular theory is that there's not going to be any rapture at all. But when Christians get this world cleaned up enough for God to come back, then, G- then, then Jesus will come and rule here on earth. Uh, that, that's called dominionism, and it's gained quite a bit of popularity over the last 50 years or so. However, the belief in a pre-tribulation rapture is based on a literal translation of the Bible. You know, there's examples in the Bible of God uh, removing the righteous before judgment came. Uh, Noah and Lot are two examples of that. And Jesus said in Luke 21, 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we compare Scripture with Scripture, we even get a better idea of the timing of the rapture. Uh, for instance, in Second uh, Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church regarding their fear that they had entered into the tribulation period. Although Paul had explained it to them before, there were false teachers who were telling the church that they were in the tribulation period, and they were even going so far that they wrote a letter and forged Paul's signature. But in this chapter, Paul clearly stated that the tribulation will not begin until that man be revealed, the son of perdition. This is a reference to the Antichrist. In verses 6 and 7, Paul stated that there's a restrainer 
that is withholding the Antichrist from being revealed. And that restrainer is the Holy Spirit. When the restrainer is taken away at the time of the rapture, that will pave the way for the Antichrist to be revealed. Uh, in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, we see the visions of uh, Daniel's vision of 70 weeks given to him by the angel Gabriel. Uh, this vision referred to 490 years of time decreed to the people of Israel. 483 years were fulfilled from the time when Nehemiah rebuilt the walls in Jerusalem to the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, or not, yeah, rode into Jerusalem uh, on triumphant entry. The clock stopped when Jesus was crucified, and the concluding seven years will be the time of the tribulation. So what starts the clock ticking? The Antichrist will confirm a covenant with Israel, and that will start the clock ticking to the, for the last years of human government. So by reading Paul's writings in 2 Thessalonians 2 and Daniel's writings in chapter 9, we can conclude that the rapture will take place before the tribulation begins since the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture takes place. Uh, we will cover the second part of, of Christ's second coming uh, called the revelation of Christ after we look at the tribulation period. So the tribulation will be a seven-year period that occurs between the rapture of the church and the revelation of Christ. The main characters will be the counterfeit trio or tr trinity or unholy trinity, we would call it, of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, Israel. The purpose of the tribulation will be twofold. Uh, it's God's dealings with Israel that are intended to draw them back to him and the outpouring of God's wrath on the Gentile nations and those who have rejected him. The tribulation period will be the last seven years of human government before Jesus sets up his millennial reign. And the tribulation period consists of 21 judgments divided into three categories, seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven vile judgments. Now, each set of judgments will increase in intensity. Two witnesses from heaven, which are mentioned in Revelation 11, and 144,000 sealed Jews appointed by God, mentioned in Revelation 14, will preach the gospel in Israel. There will be massive destruction due to the judgments, and up to three-fourths of the population will be killed. In the book of Revelation, the church is not mentioned after chapter 3, this is another basis for pre-tribulation rapture since the church is the main focus of chapters 1 to 3. Many Bible scholars believe that the book of Revelation is primarily chronological, beginning with the rapture in chapter 4, verse 1. As I mentioned, one of the main purposes of the tribulation period will be God's dealing with the Jews uh, to bring them back to Him. However, during this seven-year period, two-thirds of the Jews will die. Uh, we get better insight into this from Zechariah 13, 8 to 9. In verse 8, it says, And it shall, it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And verse 9 says, And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried, 
They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. These verses tell us that one-third of the Jews will come through the tribulation period alive. The, the persecution that they go through will be a refining process that will result in them calling on the name of God. In Revelation 12:6, we read that God will prepare a place of refuge for the persecuted Jews to flee to during the last half of the tribulation where they will be protected from the wrath of the Antichrist. So the 21 judgments found in Revelation 6 through 16 are divided into three categories. These judgments will occur chronologically. They're not literal plagues, or excuse me, they are literal plagues. They're not allegorical. They're not symbolic, but they're real. And uh, just as God pronounced judgment on Egypt uh, back when, when Pharaoh would not listen to him, he will, God will, will miraculously orchestrate events on earth during the tribulation period. Uh, he's going to pronounce judgment on a world that has rejected him. But unfortunately, just as Pharaoh's heart was hardened, the hearts of the people on earth will be hardened also. And they, instead of turning to God, they will blaspheme him and refuse to repent. So while the last half of the tribulation will be the most severe that is when the Antichrist will be totally possessed by Satan and will carry out his cruel dictatorship. But you know, the first half of the res res uh, tribulation period is also going to be a time of intense judgment. Many people will die during that first three and a half years. So we're going to briefly look at the 21 judgments that will be poured out on the earth. But during this seven-year period, remember that there will also be many other things going on politically, economically, that are mentioned in Scripture that we won't have time to cover. So first, the seven seal judgments, which occur during the first half of the tribulation. The Bible says that Jesus will be the one who opens the first seal to initiate judgment on the earth. And all of the tribulation judgments will be initiated in heaven and will occur according to God's time fit, uh, table. So the first four seals are known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first seal is a white horse with a rider holding a bow with no arrow and wearing a crown. This seal symbolizes the Antichrist coming to power, offering a false promise of peace and security. And the second seal is a red horse with a rider holding a great sword to take peace from the earth. And this seal symbolizes the wars that will take place during the first half of the tribulation. The third seal is a black horse with a rider holding a pair of scales. This seal symbolizes severe famine and food shortages, resulting in staggering inflation and starvation. And the fourth seal is a pale or a sickly horse with a rider named Death and Hell, who is given power to kill one-fourth of the world's population with the sword, hunger, death, and the beasts of the field. The Bible is not clear on whether the beasts of the field will kill through attacks or disease, but either is possible. When the fifth seal is broken, the scene shifts from earth to heaven, where John saw the souls of those that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Since the seal occurs during the tribulation period, we can presume that they are souls of those martyred during the tribulation. 
uh, those who were martyred during the church age would have been raptured and given glorified bodies by this time. These souls are crying out for God to avenge their blood on earth, but they are told to be patient until their fellow brethren be killed as they were. Another reference to martyred saints during the tribulation period is Revelation 24. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or their hands or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Uh, Those who were martyred during the tribulation period will be resurrected prior to the revelation of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, that being said, just a disclaimer, we don't know who these martyrs are, and we don't offer hope for after the rapture. Uh, You know, when you look at these people, whoever they are, they're going to pay a huge price for their salvation and uh, if people can't get saved now while it's relatively easy how are you going to do it then Uh, we encourage people to get saved now uh, before this happens but there are going to be some that are going to take a stand so the sixth seal judgment will be a great earthquake the sun will turn black the moon will become like blood the stars will fall on the earth the heaven will uh, part as a scroll and every mountain and island will be moved out of its place. The rich and the poor from every walk of life will hide themselves in caves and call for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them to hide them from the wrath of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Before the seventh seal is broken, the angel will seal 144,000 Jews to protect them from the Antichrist while they witness to their fellow Jews about Jesus and his second coming. And the seventh seal is silence in heaven for about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. This is the interlude before the seven trumpet judgments are poured out. Now we will look at the trumpet judgments, which occurred, these will be at the beginning of the second half of the tribulation. The first four are directed at nature, causing horrible living conditions on the earth. You know, we hear a lot today about climate change. In fact, we heard a lot about that on the news tonight. There was millions of people all over the country that were marching against climate change. But I often wonder, what are they going to think about climate change during the tribulation period? Uh, you know, these are this is climate change orchestrated by God, and man won't have any say in it. The first trumpet uh, says says that hail and fire mingled with blood will be hurled at the earth. One third of the trees on earth will be burnt, along with all the green grass. When the second trumpet sounds, a great mountain burning without with fire will be cast into the sea. This could be a meteor hitting the sea and generating large tidal waves that sweep the planet. As a result, one-third of the sea will become blood, one-third of the creatures in the sea will die, and one-third of the ships will be destroyed. When the third trumpet sounds, a great burning star will fall from heaven on a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. Uh, This could be a smaller meteor that hits the world's fresh water supply, polluting it, and causing many to die. The name of the star is Wormwood, and one-third of the waters will become bitter like Wormwood. 
Many will die because of the bitter waters. When the fourth trumpet sounds, one-third of the sun and one-third of the moon will be darkened, and one-third of the stars will not shine. The result of this will be that there, for the third part of a day and a third part of the night there will not be any light at all. The atmospheric blanket of dust, water, va- water vapor, and debris will destroy much of the food supply that survived other catastrophes. After this, an angel shouts with a loud voice, saying, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. As we can see, the judgments are getting more intense. The fifth trumpet is called the first woe, a fallen star, possibly referring to a fallen angel or even Satan himself, will open the bottomless pit and smoke coming out of the pit will darken the sun and the air and out of the smoke will come locusts with the power of scorpions. They are commanded to torment those who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads for five months. Those being tormented will wish that they could die but will not be able to do so. Uh, these locusts are demonic creatures, and the names of their king name of their king means destruction. The sixth trumpet is called the second woe. An angel will release four fallen angels who are held captive in the river Euphrates. They will lead an army of two hundred million to judge the world and kill one third of mankind. While some commentators believe that this will be a literal army of men. Others believe it may be a demonic army. Based on John's description, he says they're horsemen having breastplates that are fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. And the heads of the horses look like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths will come fire, smoke, and sulfur. Uh, When the seventh trumpet sounds, it is called the third woe, an angel will proclaim that all the kingdoms of or the nations of the world now belong to Jesus rather than Satan. This smells this spells the beginning of the end for Satan and his followers, including the Antichrist and the false prophet. This proclamation by the angel is followed by voices, lightning, thunder, great hail, and an earthquake. Now we will look at the last seven judgments known as the vile judgments. These judgments are the worst and will occur during the last part of the tribulation. Uh, When the Antichrist sets, after the Antichrist sets himself up as God, he's embodied embodied by Satan himself. The first four vile judgments are similar to the first four trumpet judgments, but much more intense and troublesome. In some cases, the vile judgments were targeted towards specific places or types of people. The first vile judgment will be poured out on the land. All who have taken the mark of the beast and worshipped his image will be inflicted with extremely painful ulcer like sores that will not heal. Since most of the population will have taken the mark of the beast, this will be a widespread plague. The second vile judgment will be poured out on the sun on the sea, and it will become as the blood of a dead man. Every living creature will die. The sea will turn into a blood-like substance that will yield an incredibly foul odor. Have you decided you don't want to be here yet? The third vile judgment will be poured out on the rivers, lakes, 
and fountains of the water, and they will be turned into blood. The angel declares, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And the fourth vile judgment is poured out on the sun, giving it power to scorch the inhabitants of the earth with great heat from the sun. Their reaction will be to blaspheme the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. The fifth vial will be poured out on the throne of the Antichrist in his kingdom, plunging them into darkness so thick that the people will gnaw their tongues for pain. Again, they will blaspheme God because of their pain and sores and will not repent of their wickedness. The sixth seal will be poured out on the Euphrates River and it will be dried up to allow the the armies on the east side of the river to cross over to the west side on their march toward Israel for the battle of Armageddon. John saw evil spirits proceeding out of the mouths of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet to compel the armies of the world to gather in the valley of Megiddo, which is Armageddon, to do battle against the king of kings, Jesus Christ. This judgment is proof of God's ability to orchestrate events according to his timeline. The last vial will coincide with the battle of Armageddon. The angel pours this vial out into the air, indicating a widespread judgment. There will be a great voice out of heaven saying, It is done. There will be voices, thunder, lightning, and a great earthquake such as the world has never seen. It appears that this earthquake will be felt worldwide since Jerusalem will be divided into three parts and the cities of the nations will fall. The Bible says that every every island will be displaced and the mountains will disappear. Hailstones weighing approximately 100 pounds will fall on the inhabitants of the earth. You know, by the end of the tribulation, this world is going to look very different than it does now due to these catastrophic judgments. Uh, to get a glimpse of the scope of the tribulation, think about how many people will be killed. In the first half, the, during the seal judgments, it says at least one-fourth of the population will be killed. And during the trumpet judgments, at least another third, that's half the half of the population, and the Bible doesn't even say how many are going to be killed during the vile judgment. So we, when we look at it, we say at least three-fourths of the population of the world during a, a short seven-year period will be killed. Um, it's going to be a, a terrible time. Um, it says, yeah, only a remnant will survive the tribulation and any who have taken the mark of the beast will be thrown into the the lake of fire before the millennial reign begins. So just to recap the unholy trinity, which is Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, after thousands of years of trying to convince man to worship him, instead of God, Satan will be soundly defeated at the battle of Armageddon. He will be thrown into a bottomless pit where he will be in prison for a thousand years. The Antichrist will rule the nations of the world during the tribulation. He's called the Antichrist because he is opposed to God and Jesus Christ. He's called the beast throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, He will confirm a peace agreement with Israel at the beginning, and he will be seen as a peacemaker. But by the middle of the tribulation, he will show his true colors. And uh, 
he will become a very evil person during the last part. He will be a persecutor of the Jews. Uh, he will be a cruel dictator. He will require everyone to receive a mark in their right hand or their forehead in order to buy or sell and to show allegiance to him. But anyone who takes that mark will seal their doom for eternity. You know, as we see technology for microchipping gaining popularity, it's not hard to see how the world will willingly embrace this when it comes. It will just seem so right at the time. I read recently that up to 40% of of the Swedish population has already taken microchip. They're fast becoming one of the world's first cashless societies for sure. Uh, it's it's gaining popularity and and uh, he won't have any time have any trouble convincing people. But in the end, the Antichrist will fight against Jesus at the Battle of Garmageddon, and he will be born. He will be thrown into the lake of fire. The false prophet will be the religious leader during the tribulation. He will be able to perform miracles. He will compel the world to worship the Antichrist. And he too will be thrown into the lake of fire at the battle of Armageddon. So while the tribulation is happening on earth, the marriage supper of the Lamb will be taking place in heaven. This will be a glorious celebration for Jesus, who is the bridegroom in the raptured church, who's the bride. Uh, Where would you rather be while God's pouring out his wrath on a sinful world. So now let's review the the second coming of Christ, which is the revelation of Christ. Um, It will occur seven years after the tribulation begins. Today we see the world turning against Israel at a fast rate. By the end of the tribulation period, all the armies of the world will be gathered together to attack Israel and Jerusalem in what is called the Battle of Armageddon. At that point when it seems that there is no hope for Israel, Jesus will return from heaven riding on a white horse, followed by the raptured saints also riding on white horses. The only place in Scripture where the word Armageddon is used is in Revelation 16.16, and he gathered them, the kings of the earth, together into a place in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Joel 3.2 says, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. The valley of Jehoshaphat is believed to be the valley that is located at the base of Mount Megiddo, uh, the place where the battle of Armageddon will be fought. In Zechariah 14:3 and 4, we read, Then the Lord shall go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. These verses tell how Jesus will appear, just just as it's looking hopeless for Jerusalem, He will land on the Mount of Olives, which will split in two. And verse 5 says that a great valley created in the Mount of Olives will provide a way of escape for the Jews to flee from their enemies. Uh, Revelation 19 tells us more about the revelation of Christ. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, 
and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, in the revelation of Christ, we see him coming to earth with his armies, the raptured church clothed in white raiment, and defeating the Antichrist and his armies on earth. So we won't have time to look at all the scriptures, but here are some of the aspects of Christ's millennial reign that are found in both the Old and the New Testament. Uh, The millennial reign will take place after the Battle of Armageddon. The remnant of Jews who survived the tribulation and the Gentiles who had not taken the mark of the beast will go into the millennial reign in their natural bodies. Uh, Those who returned from heaven with Christ will have glorified bodies. So here's some other aspects of the millennial reign. Uh, It will last a thousand years. Jesus Christ will rule on the throne of David, which is in Jerusalem. Christ's worldwide rule will be both spiritual and literal. The earth will be restored to Eden-like conditions to repair the damage from man's long reign of abuse and the tribulation judgments. The glorified saints will rule with Christ. Children will be born to those who enter the millennial reign in their natural bodies. Many aspects of the curse will be reversed. People will live much longer. Death will still occur, but will not affect those with glorified bodies. Animals will once again be vegetarians and will no longer fear man. The earth will be fruitful like it was in the Garden of Eden. Israel will serve as the focal point of the nations since Jesus will reign from Jerusalem. And nations will no longer go to war and disputes will be judged by Christ. A temple will stand temple will stand in Jerusalem and all nations will go up to Jerusalem once a year for the Feast of Tabernacles. The Babel curse which caused the nations to have varied languages will be reversed and all the earth will have one language. Since Satan and his demons will be imprisoned in the bottomless pit, there will be no satanic influence or temptation. However, People born during the millennial reign will still have a free will to do right or wrong. All wrongdoing will be judged by Jesus Christ himself. So after a thousand years of the millennial reign, Satan will be loosed from the bottomless pit. He will go throughout the world convincing people to follow him. The Bible says that the number who will follow Satan will be as the sand of the sea. Can you imagine? After a thousand years of Christ reigning here on earth, uh, a beautiful time, and this many people will follow Satan. Uh, But it will happen. Fire will come out of heaven and devour those who have been deceived. And Satan will be cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet will already be. 
So after the millennial reign and the final rebellion, the great white throne judgment will take place. Who will be at the great white throne judgment? All those who were unsaved at the time of their death. Revelation 20.12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. People from all walks of life, the rich, the poor, the religious, the non-religious, all who chose not to surrender their lives to Christ will be judged at that time. Their souls will be called from hell and reunited with their bodies from the grave, whether land or sea, and they will stand to be judged for their rejection of Christ. Only the unsaved will be present at this judgment. What determines their guilt? Their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And what will their punishment be? They will be cast into the lake of fire, which is eternal hell. The judgment, this judgment is called the second death. Uh, This will be the end of God's judgment and will pave the way for a new heaven and a new earth. Although hell is not a pleasant topic to talk about, it is in God's word and far too many people are going there because of their choice to reject God and Christ's atoning blood. Uh, Today, many have their own opinion of hell and whether it exists or not. In a recent poll, 60% of Americans said they believe that everyone is united with their loved ones in heaven when they die. And only 4 in 10 Americans believe that hell is where people go when they reject Jesus as their Savior. While many people believe that there's no such place as a literal hell, others believe that God would never send anyone to such a place, or if he does, it will only be for a short time while they make atonement for their sins. And there there are those who believe that the souls of those who don't go to heaven will just be annihilated and cease to exist. The truth is that God does not send anyone to hell. All who go there have chosen to go there of their own free will because they rejected Christ's atoning blood. Uh, The account of the rich man and Lazarus found in Luke 16 given by Jesus himself is a clear picture of the torments of hell. So from the Bible, what do we know about hell? It was created for the devil and his angels. All who have rejected God's offer of salvation and whose names are not written in the book of life will go to hell. Hell is eternal torment and separation from God. And in the Bible, hell is called a lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. In hell, there are no more opportunities for repentance. You know, God is merciful, but when a person dies without being saved from their sins, they will spend eternity in hell. Our prayer is that the unsaved will repent before it is too late. So let's end on a more encouraging note. After the great white throne judgment, John said in Revelation 21 that he saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Second Peter 3, 11-13 says, Seeing then that all these things will be dissolved, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversations and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness.
You know, God will cleanse this earth and the atmosphere from all unrighteousness. He will create a new earth. While the Bible does not tell us much about the new earth, John described in detail the new Jerusalem which will descend from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. The city will be shaped like a giant cube around 1,500 miles square and it will be made up of all kinds of precious jewels. Uh, You can read the description of it in in Revelation 21. It appears that this new Jerusalem will be suspended over the new earth and and many commentators uh, believe that the inhabitants will be able to go back and forth between the two at will. Uh, John said there will be no need of a temple in the new Jerusalem for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. There will be no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb is the light thereof. And verses 24 and 25 say, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. These verses inspire us uh, to focus on making heaven our home, don't they? Uh, We definitely don't want to miss it. You know, the events we covered tonight are doctrinal truths. They're grounded in Scripture. Uh, And and in God's time, they will come to pass, just like the Bible says, our part is to be ready and doing all we can to encourage the unsaved to yield their lives to Christ. Uh, Our handout tonight that we had tonight contains a couple testimonies of how God used uh, the prospect of eternal punishment to speak to hearts. And uh, we need to pray that God will also use that prospect to speak to the unsaved. And we need to pray for our unsaved loved ones. Uh, We want to see people, we don't want to see anybody have to go through the things that, that we talked about tonight. We want everybody to be ready. But we are living in the times described in the Bible that will happen just prior to Jesus' return. The Bible says to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. 